Welcome to the Growing Your Financial Business, The Woman's Way podcast. I'm Robin Crane, and I was a financial advisor for over a decade. But before that, I was a singer-songwriter. And now, even as a mom of three with a teenager, toddler, and a baby, I run a seven-figure business helping women in financial services grow their businesses and make a bigger impact. In this podcast, I'll bring you financial advisors, industry influencers, and highly successful entrepreneurs to give you innovative strategies designed for women. So get ready to learn how to get in front of the right people, get more ideal clients, and be able to grow your ideal business so you can live your ideal life. Welcome to Growing Your Financial Business the Woman's Way. I'm here with Karen Roberts, who is the CEO and financial advisor of Emerald Financial Group. And this woman is amazing. She's been in, in independent for the last 15 years and has 70 million under management. And she has a new book called 20 Questions, What You Don't Know Matters. That was like, sounded like an intentional pause. I just couldn't read my notes. What you don't know matters. And I really want to talk today with Karen about using the right questions to bring value and get assets. So tell us a little bit about these questions, a little about your background, but how you came up with these questions as well. If you can, if you can slam it all in there. Okay, perfect. So let me give you my, my, my long brief background, right? I started in the industry work for New England Life working with my family, spent 10 years in the family business. And 10 years later, I divorced the family business and went into life insurance wholesaling. Did that for a couple of years and then woke up one day and went, why am I making money for everybody else when I'm really good at this and it's time to start making money for me? So that was really a huge turning point for me and the empowerment of women. And I know that's such an overused term, but honestly, I had the aha moment that it is time to start empowering women. So fast forward, my practice really focuses on women. And I sat down to write a book called The 10 Stupid Things Women Do With Their Money. And that dwarfed into 20 questions because the reality is, we all know what we do or don't do. And a book isn't going to change our philosophy or our energy towards money. But if we start asking ourselves the right questions, maybe then we can start making changes. And the reality is when we sit down with a client, isn't it all about the questions that we ask? I ask the touchy-feely questions. They respond we bond, we get to know each other, and I become their lifetime support system. Okay, awesome. And I know we were talking about this before we started going live and recording, um, but just about how it's really helped you get a, a lot of referrals and it's helped you build your asset center management as well. So what, what is the reaction you get, before we go into some of these questions, what is the reaction you get as far as um, the response when you do ask these questions of your clients? So first of all, they sit back and they're like, huh, I've never thought of it that way, right? So when you give someone an answer, they already formulate what it is. When you ask them an open-ended question, it's so much better. And as we ask those questions and they start to ponder their life choices, they think that I'm the greatest thing ever and go home and talk to all their friends about me. So I have whole pods of friends now as clients because they all talk about some of the answers to the questions. So it's really been great. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. See, wouldn't that be lovely, ladies? Uh, you ask some questions. You just sit back. You sit back, relax. They sit back, relax. We all enjoy the ride. And then everybody talks about how amazing you are. Um, so give me, let's not go through all 20. I want them to want your book. Um, but let's go through some of the the good, like I want the ones where like you think some of these ladies who are listening right now might be afraid to ask or might be thinking that, um, ooh, maybe that's a little too pushy or I'm going to make them feel uncomfortable because I always say everything you want lies outside your comfort zone. Otherwise you'd already have it. And it's the same, you know, it's true for the the women or, or the men that you're working with as well, that like what, whatever they want lies outside their comfort zone. They want to be wealthy, but there's a part of them that's really afraid of that, that wealth or what that will bring. So what are some of the difficult questions that you think an advisor might hear right now and be a little bit afraid to ask? So one of the big questions that I ask is, what are you willing to give up to get what you want? And so that's a pretty powerful question because if I ask you, what are you willing to give up to get what you want? You have to stop and think, well, if I want to retire early, what am I willing to give up to get there? And I work with a lot of millennial clients where this question really comes into play because they want to buy a house. And the very thought of collecting enough money for a down payment paranoids them, right? Because they're like 20%, how am I ever going to do that? So we sit back and say, okay, picture your house, put it in your mind, and now ask yourself, every time you're somewhere, are you willing to give up the new blouse for the down payment? Are you willing to give up going out for the down payment? And that has to be your new thought process is what are you willing to give up to get what you want? Okay, that's a good one. That's a good one. Have you ever had anyone like get mad? I'm going to go into the like the juicy stuff. Have you ever had anyone really give you pushback where they're, they're, they won't answer? Or usually that's when they're having a breakthrough, right? When they kind of, there's some friction right. and they feel like they, they're, they're not willing to answer at first, but then they get through. So I'm not telling us, you know, who hated you, but who who is someone who you can think of or tell us a story where you felt like you got some pushback, but then ultimately, you know, they had a bigger transformation because you asked some of those tough questions. So I actually had a client who has more than enough money for retirement, has no heirs, and I really had to teach her how to spend her money. And she would sit in my office and argue with me that she was going to run out of money and live under a bridge and eat cat food. And I would have to argue, okay, let's take that scenario. But what if that doesn't happen? What if the other scenario happens? And it's really... Every time I meet with her, we have this conversation of, but what if you have enough money? And what if you're able to do this? And what would your life look like? And how would you feel differently? So she actually goes to South Africa twice a year on safari. And she was flying coach. And I said, well, what if you chose to fly first class? <gasps> I can't do that. She argued with me. She argued with me. And I finally got her to do a smaller trip first class. And she came back and said, oh, my God, I'm never flying not first class again. And she said, thank you so much for making that happen. And now all of her golfing friends are clients because I had such a profound impact just by asking the questions of, but what if you did it? 
That's really interesting because I think for mo- most conversations will go the exact opposite way. You know, most, most people are thinking, well, most people don't have enough. And their number one concern is what if I run out of money and, but they don't want to think about what, what that's going to look like. And I actually do this. I have a, a challenge called the appointment generator challenge, the tag challenge. And in this challenge, I talk about two scenarios. Like let's imagine there's a woman who has a hundred thousand dollars. Imagine there's a woman who has $3 million to her name. And I say, um, let's pretend it's family feud. And I say, uh, you know, there's, there's uh, five answers on the board and we asked 100 retirees, what's your number one concern when it comes to retirement and they say, do you know? I wonder. Oh, if you know. Yes, yes. They're yes. going to run out of money. Yes. Ding, 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 ding. See, I just, I was just asking someone else and he answered the same. So running out of money, number one answer on the board, right? So then we take someone as a hundred thousand dollars to her name. Someone has 3 million. You say, what's your, what's your concern? And guess what? Each of them say the exact same thing, running out of money. And then the one with a hundred thousand dollars says, my biggest concern, running out of money. The one with $3 million says running out of money. And so you're thinking, well, how can they have the same exact concern? And so we look at that and that's really the superficial problem. But when we start to peel the onion, we realize that it's way more than that. Like someone who, who has $100,000, she's her, her problem is much more urgent. So I always say the one with the most yeah. urgent problem is the one that's going to respond to your messaging. And she's going to run out of money faster. So, but she's thinking exactly what you said, which I would not think maybe this woman, I don't know if she has $3 million, but maybe, you know, the woman who has a hundred thousand is like, well, I'm afraid that, you know, what's going to happen if you run out of money. And I always, my question would be like, play that out for me. That's the hard part, right? No one wants to think about that. But right. Play that out for me. Let's assume you run out of money. What would you do? Oh, I'm going to have to, you know, live with my son. I'm going to have to, um, you know, sell, sell, if she owns a house, so sell the house. So let's say, you know, sell, sell all my, my, my items. So, you know, I won't be able to get health insurance or health, health coverage, whatever. So she's going to go all these crazy scenarios and it ends up like, I'm scared. I'm going to be living under a bridge, eating cat food. Right. Whereas the woman typically with $3 million is going to be thinking like, well, you know, I'm, I, I won't be able to, maybe I'll have to downsize. Maybe I won't be able to leave a big enough legacy. Maybe I won't be able to give my kids enough money and you know, that sort of thing. So what's interesting about your scenarios, like you said, here's someone who had you think like plenty of money to the last of their lifetime. And she is so scared and so much in scarcity that she, she can't even live her life and make choices where she's enjoying it because she's so fearful, which I think is typically like most people aren't fearful enough of the reality that they're going to run out of money. So I love how you turned that around and got her to say, well, what, what could happen? What if it, it didn't go that poorly? Like what if it actually went the way you want that's awesome. Cool. Um, so I think one good takeaway, and, and it's interesting because I think I don't necessarily ask 20 questions. I, I tell some of my ladies when when I'm talking about um, having these conversations or similar conversations yeah. is that there are two main questions. And my guess is, is that there's 20 questions that kind of are follow up to two main questions. You tell me if, if I'm right, because maybe okay. we have hands, which is totally fine. One question is, what do they want that they don't already have? Mm-hmm. And the other question is what's holding them back or slowing them down from getting there. Yep. So every question I ask has to do with what do you want? And right. typically it's not, if they, if you ask them just what do they want, oftentimes they're just going to say, I want, and then insert all the things either that they have, or they already assume they will have. So I want to get them to a point where they're thinking, what do I want that I don't have, or don't assume that I will have so I can dream and, and, and make sure that I get there. And then what's holding them back. So do you find that these 20 questions might fall into those two categories? And they're just like, they do they absolutely fall into those two categories. And, but they, they, again, by asking the right questions, it gets them to open their mind a little more as to what are the possibilities, what is out there and what do they really want? 
I mean, I know personally, this all came through years of actually doing this myself because I met with a coach years ago who said, okay, what is your vision for retirement? You know, why are you working? What ultimately do you want? And I created mine. And then I went to my husband and said, here's my vision. And he's like, well, that's awesome, but it's not mine. Yeah. How many times has that happened? And how can you work towards something if you don't have that vision in your mind? So one of the questions is, what is your vision? You know, if, if you, five years from now, what would you say to yourself today? Hmm. Right, Because that's pretty powerful because five years is short enough that you can see it. So what would you tell yourself today to get to where you need it to be five years from now? Awesome. I love that. I love that. Give us one more. And then I want to go into, I want to ask you actually a harder question for you as an advisor. We're going to real way, Karen. (laughs) So it's all good. So my, my, the last question in the book is, are you remarkable? And that's a really interesting question because as women, at least for me, we tend to make ourselves, we are remarkable But we tend to say, oh, we just do it in the course of a day, right? It's just part of what we do. I mean, my my background, we did foster care and adoption. We raised four kids. I own a business. We've done amazing things. And people are like, you're remarkable. And I'm like, yeah, we just do it, right? We just do it. And so for women, I want to empower them by really asking that question and sitting back and hearing what they say and guiding them towards, but you are remarkable. You have done an amazing things in your life and will continue to do so. Let's give ourselves credit for what we've done. What is the typical response to that? Is it a flat out no? Or they're just, they're talking about how not, they're just downplaying themselves, like how they're not remarkable. They just downplay themselves because again, and and not all women, and I don't want to categorize all women, but for the most part, for whatever reason, we've, we've been taught to not be, oh my God, about an achievement. We're like, oh yeah, we achieved that. Right. Right. And And then you work so hard and you want it so badly. And then when you get it, you're like, okay, what's next? Exactly. Um, Oh, I did it. Okay. Now what's next? And I found that with myself. I I actually think um, I would definitely answer the question. (laughs) Yes, I am remarkable. Like I think fondly of myself, apparently, like I would, I would not even think no, but, but I I would do the opposite. Like, I think I would say yes. And then I would still follow it up with kind of like why, however, like I'm not that special. Like, you know, I, I think I, I do think I'm remarkable, but at the same time, I think I would not just be able to answer that yes or no because we're so afraid of being egotistical or how can I say yes to that? So I'm like, yes, I'm remarkable, but you know, I mean, I, I really didn't have that much of a horrible upbringing. When I, was kid. I mean, I really need to have a lot of opportunity. So I'm going to justify, justify why I w- I'm remarkable because of the things that have happened to me um, or that I've having all these, I've had all these opportunities. You know, I was lucky because I kind of have that personality where I like to, I'm outgoing. I like to talk to people, you know, so I would justify it. It's like, so I think that's true. Yes or no. I think I would justify why it's okay to kind of brag about myself. Um, And and that's it. And we get into the whole conversation of bragging about yourself because you, every one of us is remarkable in whatever our path has been. And we have to own that remarkability. 
What's also interesting about that word is I don't think I've said that word in the last five to 10 years or maybe ever. Like, I'm sure if, I mean, I know the word, I've heard the word, I I mean, right. I, but I don't, that is not a word I use ever. It's also like, I don't use the word marvelous. Like I don't use the word. Mar- so it's interesting to me that you would choose the word remarkable because I would use, you know, are you awesome? Are you proud of yourself? Are you, um, I don't know. I would definitely not ever use that word, which is interesting. Is there a reason you chose that word? That's the word you just use? kind of the word that came to us, you know, that it's just kind of the word. And I, I think maybe because people don't use it and people need to. I like it. You are remarkable. So um, it kind of reminds me of the, uh, what was his name? Stuart Smalley on Saturday Night Live way back in the day where he'd say, he'd look into the mirror and he said, he mirror and he would say, I'm good enough. I'm smart mm-hmm. enough. Gosh, darn it. People like me. <laughs> and I think that's something like, uh, and I was watching a Mel Robbins video, I think, you know, where she started to do recently, she started talking about giving yourself a high five in the mirror. And then she did this other video with her husband where he was saying, like, she said, what do you, what do you do when you look in the mirror? And he said, I look in the mirror and she's like, tell me, Chris, what do you do? And she's like, she, he, she said, um, he, he goes, well, I look in the mirror and I say, I love you. <laughs> and she's like, really? You say, I love you to yourself, Chris. And she's like, he's like, yeah, I do. And I thought that was kind of hilarious because my husband, if we were, guys, not everybody's watching, but if you were in here right now, my husband walked in, he thinks it's hilarious every time to walk in into my camera view, just showing his arm and flexing and like showing how, how strong he is. And like, you know, he's fine. I swear he looks in the mirror and he looks like, he's like, how are my abs doing? And like, he's just like checking himself out. We're looking at ourselves, typically women in the mirror going like, what's wrong with me, you know? And, and my husband's looking, going like, damn, my muscles look pretty, pretty good right now. So I I, I have to tell you, Robin, one of the things that I do every morning, which I do talk about when I talk about the book is I assume the Wonder Woman pose, which for those of you that don't know, it's just arms on your hip and your chest out. And I look in the mirror every day after I've gotten dressed and say, gosh, darn, I'm cute today. (laughs) Because my perception is I'm cute. I'm not beautiful. I'm not sexy. I'm cute. And I'm really good with that comment. But even if I'm having a bad day, even if my hair is freaking out from humidity, even, even I will look in the mirror and think, how cute do I look today? And I, you probably can't see me, but I'm overweight. I definitely could lose 50 pounds. Don't care. I still look in the mirror and see what I want to see, not what everyone else sees. And you're cute. But, and that's something that women have to do. And I, and I feel like through part of those questions and through meeting with the clients, I give them that right? Whether they look in the mirror every day and say that, but they can look at the end of the day, at the end of our meetings and go, you know, I did a really good job with money and now I have to live. Now I have to live. Now I have to live with, yeah, I have to live. I have to spend it. I'm entitled to it. Wow. That's interesting. That's awesome. So yeah, I think a big takeaway here is just like all of you listening is to remember that you are remarkable because everyone Mm -hmm. here, I mean, if you've started a financial business, whether you're um, an advisor or in insurance, I mean, it's not an easy thing. And I want to end with one question. I I said, I'm going to get to a hard question because I I like to kind of get to the deep stuff, but um, you said you were, you've been in your own business independent for 15 years and, you know, you're kind of like, I don't, I don't want to say the everyday advisor because the everyday financial <laughs> advisor doesn't last because most, you know, a lot of times like it's hard and people leave, It is hard. but, but, and then you were in the industry before 15 years. So like, 
what, what was the biggest struggle that you had where you, cause I think a, a lot of women listening, like some days want to quit and think like, I'm not remarkable. Like maybe I'm not good enough and gosh, darn it. People don't like me. Cause there's, there's rejection and there's fear and there's, mm-hmm. there's concern and there's worry and, and will. And, and I, I, I know when I was a financial advisor and I wasn't, I didn't have 70 million under my management <laughs> or under management, I was like feeling like a fraud and I felt like I wasn't good enough. So what, tell me a point in your career where you kind of even were considering quitting and what instead got you through that, that challenge and got you to the other side. So I want to say every year I want to feel like I want to quit. And there are times when a big client will call and I freak out because I think I did something wrong. So I just want to say that that feeling for whatever reason, never seems to go away, regardless of how many times clients tell me how grateful they are for me. That feeling never goes away. I This is a hard, hard business. And you just have to persevere. And you have to persevere with friends, friends, associates, mentors, mentees, whatever you coaches, whatever you want to call it, you need support. And I found that support early on. I started, so I'm part of WIFS, which is Women in Financial Services. And I've been with my chapter for 25 years. And those women, when when life goes bad, I can reach out and make a phone call and they tell me that it's going to be okay. Or it's not going to be okay and get my crap together, right? (laughs) They've pushed me out of my comfort zone. They've comforted me. But man, you need people that are going to support you. My friends, I love my friends, but they don't work in our industry, right? They are not financial advisors. They don't know what it's like day to day. My associates know what it's like every day to be in the trenches. And when I call, they listen. So if you don't have a support system of some kind, get it out and get one. I happen to be supported by all women just by my own choice. I'm not saying that men aren't good support systems also, but choose wisely. Choose wisely with women too, because not all women get it either. So choose wisely, but choose hard and maintain those relationships because you will need them on the dark days. And there are dark days all through your career. And I have to tell you the imposter syndrome. So when Sheryl Sandberg wrote her book, Lean In, I read it and I was like, oh my God, here she is, the CEO of Facebook walking into a meeting going, what am I doing here? And I thought to myself, I do that so many times. Like, what am I doing here? And I thought, if she can persevere through that, so can I. So that's what I'm saying. Get yourself some mentors and mentee people. You know, if you're if you're at a certain point, being a mentor to a mentee is also amazing because it will remind you of how far you've come. Hang in there. Awesome. Good advice. Great advice. Um, and, and I would say that that's a huge emphasis for us and our company. And we're, we're bringing we're, one of the things I'm actually most proud of is bringing together a community of women. And we have, you know, we actually in this tag challenge, I was talking about the employment generator challenge. Um, it's just we actually just had over a thousand women in this community wow. of financial services. And it was so cool and like celebrating and sharing their challenges and supporting each other. And they're like, Oh my gosh, there's a world out here with other women where it's not just this male dominated world and, and bo- old boys club, but we can actually talk to each other and do something different and, and innovate and, and actually use online, online uh, prospecting, 
um, strategies and whatnot. It was really, really amazing. And we're, we're growing that. And, and by the way, if anyone is listening and you want to be part of that, uh, the next one, I don't know when it's coming up, but you can check it out. Femalefinancialadvisors.com. Hopefully it should be up there at femalefinancialadvisors.com. But that, that community is really important to us. Um, and just in general, like with my, you know, different levels of, of my, my programs and stuff. Right. So I think community is everything you need that you have. To so have. important to have community. Yeah, I agree. So tell you me need a community. Right. Your clients have communities and you need to be involved in your clients' communities also because they have the same, right. They have the same needs. Yeah. Especially if you're exactly. working. And, and just to add to that, like, I think so many advisors are doing so much one-on-one, one-on-one, and that's great because everybody wants customized help. But if you can bring that community that you need and they need to your clients and have more women that you work with, if you're working with women come together, that's just an additional value add that I think a lot of advisors are, are missing. Um, cool. Any last minute, um, any last last thing to add? Otherwise, just get, tell them where to find you and where to find your book. Yep. So one last thing to add. This is an amazing career. This is amazing industry. And I love helping my clients. So if you are struggling and you need a community and you don't know where to turn, turn to Robin. You're more than happy to reach out to me. We want to help you guys grow. So you can reach me, check out my website at emerald-financialgroup.com. This is my book. It is in case you're just listening again. 20 say, say, that, say the name of it again in case they're just listening. No. 20 questions. What you don't know matters. Find it on Amazon. And please purchase it. It is really awesome. You can read it. Steal the questions. You're more than welcome to. Use them in your practice. And again, it's emerald-financialgroup.com. You'll see our website all full of videos so that clients really get to know who we are before they even know who we are which I love. That's so awesome because so few advisors are using video. So that's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Karen. So lovely to have you on the show. And thank you. we will see you next time. Bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.